Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Is Now a Good Time? This week, we are joined by co-host Mike Benz and our guest, Lauren Argo. Lauren is a 28-year-old industrial designer who has lived in both New York and Chicago before moving out here to the West Coast. Hailing originally from Cincinnati, she graduated from the University of Cincinnati in 2010, and I'll let her take it from here. So I graduated with a degree in industrial design from Cincinnati, like Bill said, moved out to New York a week after I graduated and got a job at a design and innovation firm there where I did a lot of kind of blue sky conceptual work as well as creating ideas and concepts that went into manufacturing. So fun job, great job, kind of found I wasn't really, I was liking the more kind of front end conceptual work. So I moved to Chicago and worked for a design innovation from there that was a little bit more strategic and it combined um, the work of MBAs and designers to deliver business models with a design vision. So kind of pairing together the business side of things and the design side of things. I did that in Chicago for a year and a half um, and then found that I the problems that I wanted to be solving were a little bit bigger than industrial or product design. And now I'm in a grad program here, interaction design grad program, where I am tackling a lot of social impact problems. And um, yeah, that's where I am. That's good. That's a good synopsis. <laughs> I, have a, I have a lead question. Um, I'm just interested in what exactly is blue sky uh, design or, or innovation? Is that, a, uh, is that like the big picture? Sure. That's yeah, that's exactly what it is. Some people call it like the fuzzy front end too. So it's basically companies coming to us and not really knowing what the problem is, but kind of knowing a space and we help them define the space, what the space is, what the problem is and where to go from there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Does that help? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For, for another very general question, you're very passionate about design and in your opinion, this is, this is a very broad question, but what makes something well-designed? What is it about a product or object that you know, mm -hmm. determines whether it's well-designed or not? Um, there are so many answers to that question. I think the one that pops into my head first is the, f is the fact that when you're using the product or service, you don't actually think about the design and the design is more of a background thing and the design doesn't get in the way of what you're doing. You don't even notice that it's designed. Like when you notice that something is designed, that probably means there's something wrong with the design. So it's when the design actually disappears and it's just so intuitive that that means that's a good design. That is an amazing <laughs> answer. I read something recently that uh, analogously the big challenge is just getting out of the story. Mm -hmm. Making yourself invisible to it creates the best storytelling. So that's interesting to hear that kind of echoed in the design world. Yeah, totally. A question I have for you is about working in the creative industry. I've heard from people, not everyone, but uh, a lot of creative people I hear working at ad agencies or places that are touted as highly creative and I've heard them say I'm not able to do any exciting work I'm not able to do any creative work so did you ever have that experience of working in a place that from the outside people 
hailed as this creative center, but internally uh, you found yourself wanting uh, a bigger challenge or, or more creative freedom. Yeah, I think I always have felt like I've been doing creative work. It's more the why behind the work that I'm doing that I think as I got older and progressed in my career, I cared more about. Like when I was a young designer, I was just so like happy and excited to be like working at a design firm and like designing anything and working with amazing designers and learning. And it just got to a point where you wanted to really kind of own something or really just care about what you were designing and not, you know, just keep making the big companies bigger and making more money, but you wanted to really make an impact and help people in some way. And I think it was, I, did, I wasn't on a lot of projects that did that. Some I did, some did. Um, but you, I think, want to make a big impact, and sometimes it's hard to do that. Do you think design firms could benefit from some sort of policy like Google has where... 20% of the time is spent on independent projects? Oh, I mean, totally. It's just, that's financially, that's hard to have and back up and have a system that can allow you to do that. But totally, yeah. It's just not financially feasible for a lot of firms, I think. Yeah. So if there's a way to somehow turn those side projects or some percentage of those side projects into firm work, maybe... Maybe that could be a possibility. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, when I, so the company that I was at in Chicago, when you weren't on a project, because, you know, there was a lot of time, we have clients and you're on one and then you're on another. And sometimes there's a week or two in between where you're not on a project. And we actually call that, oh, you're on the beach. And oh. so when we're on the beach, <laughs> it was, it was actually fun. Like, for example, one time I was on the beach, it was me and, to other colleagues and um, my company was really interested in this like startup space and like you know what can we learn from startups and how can we integrate what they do into our work and they basically were like you three you have three weeks until like you're getting we're getting more work in like start a business and so we like explored and had the chance to like explore kind of with the backing of our company you know um, in the space and I think in a lot of ways it like invigorated us and helped us kind of when we we're on our next projects in terms of like methods we learned about or experience or created, but also just like gave us a lot of energy to like work on other things and yeah, kind of a little bit of design food to keep us moving and going. Yeah. What was the business you started? So the last job I was at, we did a lot of food design. So we'd work for, um, you know, big food companies, um, and we would design con food concepts for them. So as an industrial designer, if I was on a food project, I'm primarily responsible for the packaging, but there are also you know, other people on the team. So there's a strategist, you know, more the business side of things. There's a researcher. And um, if it was food, there's also a culinary designer. And so it was me, another culinary designer, and a strategist. So because it was she was a culinary designer, we wanted to make it around food, and so we um, made a company around spices. So it was a spice company. Oh, I see. <laughs> what was the name? And, and I think, and actually like in this instance, like, I mean, the spices were cool, but I think we were more learning about the process of starting a company than really caring a whole lot about the fact that it was spices. 
You, you, does that make sense? That totally makes sense. Yeah. I mean, the spices were cool, but I'm not like so like in love with spices and it's like this, you know, I have so much heart for spices. <laughs> Maybe you should be. I, I mean, some people do. Like, spices are great. So, but yeah. The, the, the thing about starting a company, it seems, is when you do anything, the first one normally doesn't turn out right. Mm -hmm. Normally ends up being wobbly or lopsided or you realize what you could have done better. So I think that starting a company is probably no different than trying to build a table or, or do anything where the first one mm -hmm. uh, might just fail and not be that great, but then you keep doing it and you get better at it. Yeah, totally. Can I, can I just ask, has there ever been a time where you were on the beach while you were on the beach? <laughs> um, I wish. <laughs> But no. You're right. It could have because yeah. we have the beach right in the city there. I mean, we would have if you were on the beach, we would have beach happy hours with like my ties on the roof of our office sometimes. Not um, bad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not a bad simulation. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I was also wondering, in your work as a designer, do you find yourself? Is it a pretty even blend of aesthetics on the one hand and physics? So like. Um, you know, the, the sort of more graphical um, designing the look of something or um, actually figuring out the materials to use and, and how to do that, um, how to actually construct something. Is that, a, is that a holistic process for you individually or are you more on one side or another? Or Do you mean the functionality and like engineering behind something? Right. I mean, I, so my parents studied architecture and they... they their professors always talk to them about, you know, you can, it's one thing to design a pretty building, but can you actually make that building buildable by knowing the materials to use, et cetera? And I'm thinking in your case, okay, so are you able to just like design the look of the packaging or are you also saying, we're going to use this, uh, you know, type of plastic because mm -hmm. it's, it's higher quality or something like that. So I think it's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine when people talk about design as like a visual thing. Mm -hmm. Like I think it is a visual thing, but there's purpose and reason behind all of the visual things. So I would actually say that like, yeah, I create a visual product, but it's visual. It has this feature, this element, because it emotes this emotion that connects with the user in a certain way. So maybe something is cute or grabbable, that encourages like you to pick it up in a certain way, or maybe something is a certain material that actually helps you like grip the product. So I think that like function and aesthetics are actually a lot more connected. Totally. Um, and I think they're yeah they're just very connected. But you know I, I am a designer. I would work with engineers who would like figure out like, you know like okay this needs boss ribs here and like bossing here and the draft angle is this. But it's a constant like. Um, checking of each other so yeah. you know the engineer might be like okay like um you can't do this design feature because like of the molding the draft has to be like this and i'm like okay but sometimes i'm like no we we can't put the screw there because it, you know it, it messes with like the overall kind of like you know message of the product like it looks out of place and like it's not as inviting or like it might rub against your hand so it's yeah. a constant like you know, checking, check, checking balance or checks and balance between like the engineer and the designer. That sounds like a really, um, fruitful process. And it yeah. sounds like you conceptually at least are considering all of that, but you do 
tend to be more on the not not just visual but sort of the psychological sure. user side sure. and, and you're checking with engineers surely yeah that's yeah. a good way of putting it it's it's more on the it's very user centric yeah hmm. yeah i have a question i've heard these terms a lot lately uh user interface and user experience abbreviated normally as ui yep. and ux yeah is there a difference between those two terms or are those the same thing two parts of the same thing could you tell me more about that many people have had this conversation and i think that a lot of the time in the in an in industry they're interchangeable and so i think there isn't necessarily a right answer i can tell you my opinion on how it's broken down but i think that people use them very interchangeably what's your opinion <laughs> i so i think <laughs> i think that user experience is like the broad umbrella of creating a product and i think okay. underneath user experience there are design disciplines and there are industrial design and interaction design and service well service design it might be pretty a lot broader too um like graphic design interaction design and industrial design so I think that when you're creating a user experience, all of these disciplines go into creating that user experience. And I think that all designers are user experience designers in a certain, to a certain level. Yeah. Now, has user experience always been important even before computers and digital interfaces? And if, or has it become more important now that most of our interactions are mediated by a screen, at least in the context of computers and smartphones? Uh, yeah, no, I think user experience has always been important, but the medium is now changing. Now it's more interface based. Yeah. What is your favorite user experience? What is your oh, favorite gosh. product to use? What product do you look forward to picking up to it could be a bottle opener it could be a toothbrush it could be a car door handle or the sound the car door makes when you close it okay so i do have an experience that i had the other day you know the app get around uh yeah you do. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're like oh this is I, awesome i, I attempted to car. put my car on get around unsuccessfully okay i'm, I'm sorry to hear that you need to have your car needs to have less than i think it's 150,000 miles oh Wah, wah, wah. You shouldn't have driven it that much. That trip to Big Sur just killed it. Oh, it was worth it. <laughs> so tell me more about this experience with Get Around. Yeah, so I was like, okay, I'll try this out. I It was too late to get a zip car. It, like, they were all booked, and so I tried. I needed to go somewhere. So I was like, oh, I'll try this Get Around thing. And uh, it was really easy. You just downloaded the app, like looked for a car near me, found a car, went to the lot. And this is this is the part that I'm talking that I think is cool. Like, you know, there are tons of like car sharing apps, but like this part just like blew my mind. I'm like, how did they do that? So I get to the car, I open the app, and I push unlock on the app and the car goes chick chick and it unlocks. And I'm like, how did it do that? I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. But it was a very kind of delightful and magical experience. It was cool. And the then answer is the car is sentient. It's, it's, we're, we're in like freaking a uh, Terminator Skynet is what's going on. Well, it's not and like it's some car that like get around owns and they've programmed to do this. It's just like your car or my car that somebody put on get around. I'm like, how did they do that? I have they, no idea. They're using existing systems that weren't designed to be able to do that necessarily. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. You know. When you initiated the ignition key, did the beach boys come on the audio system? 
Get around, get around, I get around. <laughs> because that would really be the full user experience. Yeah, it, it's it was good missing that. That I don't that. work in user experience. Yeah, yeah. It was it was I lacking that. that way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I use get around a lot, I might want a new song. But I'm sure the brilliant designers there could could detect how long you've been using. It. That's the conceptual <laughs> equivalent of a car wash that plays you the song "Car Wash." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We are clearly not designers. No, everybody's a designer. Well, so, and in that vein, is there anything that you are sort of itching to design right now? I can tell you that my answer would be, if I had any sort of um, technical know-how, I would love to be working on Elon Musk's Hyperloop that is going to be like, a maglev train inside a tube going 700 miles an hour getting us from San Francisco to LA in like an hour or two. Like, All right, I'm going to turn this on you. Why do you want to work on that? I think that sounds like the best transportation solution I have heard of for our modern world in a long time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, could really... Because the, the thing, the problem with high-speed rail is that um it's extremely expensive infrastructure um and it takes a long time to build and uh, and there's a whole host of other things um the hyperloop seems like i mean it'll also obviously be expensive but um i think the thing with high-speed rail is in a lot of cases it doesn't go that much faster than our conventional means but the hyperloop is like it's a game changer it's, it's like crazy yeah yeah it's a uh, that's like airplane speeds, you know, versus just a fast car. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. What would be the product that you would like to be working on if you could? Um, I've been kind of into like augmented reality and virtual reality lately. And I think that's a space that is about to blow up. Like, if you think of companies like Magic Leap who are working on these augmented reality experiences and and VR as well. And I think that how people perceive it now is this thing that, like, cuts off a lot of, like, human connection and is very cold. And I think finding the application that is actually, like, useful to mankind and, and helpful and meaningful and not just this cold experience that takes you out of reality but actually enhances reality... I think it's like a really good challenge. I hope that one of these companies is listening to this and saying, <laughs> what was her name? <laughs> How do we get in contact with her? Because that... Lauren Argo. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> because yeah. that is something that <laughs> I haven't heard nor thought of because well, it is cold. It's cold. And I think the other cool thing is like the language right now doesn't exist of these like 3D interactions and like you're helping to kind of define what that language is. So yeah, it's cool. It would be cool. Is design, does design spill over into branding? Are those, are those related and overlap? Do you ever get into that part of it? Yeah, totally. Um, but it feels like the prostitution part of designing. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it is and it isn't. And I, I think that my experience with branding or friends who have worked in branding firms, and I've done, been on some branding projects, it feels a little bit like disingenuous because it's like, okay, 
what is the it's kind of fun in a way because it's like what is the personality of this brand and how do you make them a person and how do they become alive which is cool and fun to do that but it's also just kind of like okay what is this personality so we can like sell as many of these like cleaners as possible like what's the personality of this like cleaning like spray bottle so i think i think that that's that's probably true in a lot of situations but i think with the new economy branding is no longer disingenuous or it doesn't have to be a disingenuous experience because branding is really it's making people believe mm -hmm. in something that matters it's making a product because people don't buy a physical product they buy an idea of product mm -hmm. so someone who buys a bmw they're not buying a car. They're buying the idea of what it means to drive a BMW. It just happens to come with a real BMW. So I think that there's, there, it could be like anything, be used for good or evil. I totally agree. Yeah. 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 We're, we're also in like um, the, the, the postmodern moment in advertising and branding is like post Sprite, where Sprite was like, image is nothing. Thirst is everything. So they were trying to explicitly say, we're not branding ourselves, but we are by not, you know, so it's, it's one of those, those sort of reverse psychology attempts. Um, did I just get a PhD in philosophical branding? You sure did. You just also made up the field. So congratulations. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I see you brought up the new economy, um, which I, I think part of the idea there is the ability of the, the much greater accessibility of individuals to just put themselves out there rather than have to go through the conventional channels. But, um, but then that brings up the challenge of, do you have to keep using the idioms that are already being used by the major brands? How do you diverge from that? Uh, I don't, I mean, I haven't thought that much about it, but. Yeah, a question. Yeah, and to your point, like not all brands are evil. Like I didn't, I didn't say, oh. You're, I feel like oh, I said that. Oh. And you said, no, Lauren, you're wrong. <laughs> I did not say that, Lauren. I would never say this. No, I agree. Like, I think there are brands that are out there that are, you know, doing good. And I think brand has a lot to do with the experience of a product. Yeah. Something that I want to ask about is the new economy with the brands that are becoming the new benchmarks for uh, companies, Uber, Airbnb, what part does design have to play? Because really what, what their product is has a lot to do with user experience. So how do you see design, uh, what is the role of design in the new economy? Is it everything? Does it play a part complementary to the service itself? Yeah, I mean, I think every service or experience is designed, whether there's a designer designing it or not. So I, th I think that in this new economy that's emerging or that could emerge that we're kind of talking about, I think having a designer's input and working or kind of using a design process, I think is really valuable. Yeah. So in terms of the qualifications of a designer um, it seems like it's a very diverse set of skills and how would you um, define those skills like yeah 
Yeah, that's that's interesting. So, I mean, I'm an industrial designer, but I am and I'm in this year of grad school, which is interaction design. So, in a way, I feel like a designer is defined by a, their processes and like a way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And many of them are further defined by their medium. So, like a graphic designer, or like an industrial designer, or interaction designer. Um, but I I think that and actually. I wish there was more kind of like cross pollination between those different like sub segmentations. Cause I think limiting yourself to like one of those very like interaction design or graphic design is actually, it's just kind of limiting. I feel like as a designer and as a creative person, you should change mediums and mix things up and like learn new things. But so I would actually define a designer by like their processes or a way of thinking or doing something or way, the way of approaching a problem mm-hmm. more so than like the medium they're using. And it sounds like there, there's something of a combination of the scientific method and the more um, imaginative process that um, you might call, I, I don't know, like the, 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 I, in, the inspiration, incubation, and uh, creation model of like uh, an artistic creativity. I don't, do you, how do, do you think, is that an accurate sort of description for how designers approach problems and how they think is Uh that um yeah in in a way yeah totally I think it's a a back and forth between like these two switches in your brain like the more analytical switch and then this more this switch that's like really letting your mind just be free and explore and allowing yourself and giving yourself time to do that but then switching to like analytical mode and just kind of being able to go back and forth between the two Mm -hmm. And being, you know, okay with ambiguity and like kind of seeing where the course takes you and, you know, building the learn and just kind of making and not being too concerned about the solution when you're trying to figure out the problem, but just yeah, letting yourself explore. Cool. Yeah. Here's a question. For some of the more hard sciences and engineering, there's a whole field called biomimetics where they look into nature and find solutions to technical problems that have already been solved by nature. Mm -hmm. Is there any field of design uh, in regards to user interaction or even just aesthetics where you're looking into nature to see where the problem has been solved or drawing on that as a source of inspiration or, you know, finding the solution that's already been created? Yeah, totally. And actually, I would call that biomimicry. Like that, yeah, and there's actually a cool website, I can't think of the name now, that I used when I was a couple years ago on a job where you can just go to this website and type in a term and it can bring up like ways that that term is manifested in nature. And it's a really good like Whoa, connection the between website. the two. Yeah, yeah. It, it's really neat. Um, so wait, the question was, have I like seen, have I been inspired by nature and used that in my work or is that? Yeah, yeah. And how does that come... How does nature play into the design process? Um, I can't like think of a hard example right now, but in, in general, I think inspiration is like core to what I do and I could be inspired by anything. But if you ask me just to like sit down and like solve a problem, I don't know if I could do it. Like I need to like walk around the streets and like <laughs> if you actually just like tell me something else, like I could like, okay, I have a problem and you just talk about a different topic. If I just think about how that topic relates to my subject, there's an idea. Like it, you just take different things and apply it to your problem and then you have like a brainstorm idea. So like 
inspiration is so ingrained in like everything that I do. In relation to what we were talking about last week or a few weeks ago in Muir Woods, how often do you find yourself using the golden ratio? Mm. Or ever? <laughs> is that is that something that's not as I actually as feel like I use the rule of thirds more than the golden ratio. Okay. Um I don't know, like I bet the golden ratio is in there somewhere. It totally I probably use it. And I think like as a designer, like proportion is just something that starts to become intuitive to you. So I don't like reference like the golden ratio or like the rule of thirds. It just like when I'm designing something or making something, it just like, okay, that looks right. That looks okay. Good. I need, yeah. to, it needs to be moved a little more. It just becomes like more intuitive. So I don't like, I learned about that in design school, but it just becomes this intuition and not this thing where like, let me pull out the, you know, this ruler of thirds or the, the golden ratio template or something. Well, actually, I mean like, Two thirds, 0.66, that's pretty close to 0.618, which is almost, I mean, that's an approximation of the golden ratio. So I mean, it's close. Yeah. 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 Um, so bam, there it is. It is really close. Here's a question again, when we're on the topic of nature, the thing that has blown my mind continually about nature is that the hardware and the software are integrated. There's really... I guess in DNA aside, the software and hardware seem to be far more integrated in nature than we are able to achieve in our machines. What's the relationship uh, between hardware and software and the things that you design? And where do you see things going between hardware and software? I mean, I think they're both important. I think that we're human beings and as human beings, we crave tangibility. And I th so I think that hardware is never going to go away. Yeah, I mean, yes, software is becoming more and more powerful, but yeah, I don't think hardware is going anywhere. I guess the other thing is too, this software at the end of the day is really just all about user experience. This is about creating some sort of, maybe not always, but. Well, I mean, I, uh, I've got Ableton on my computer, but I went out and bought a keyboard because I want to I want to bang on the keyboard, you know, so Yeah, like, but but ironically that keyboard Is running software so you know, it's like to make the sounds. It's not a, it's not it's not the actual strings in the Here's yeah. maybe a better a better question will instruction manuals at some point be a thing of the past no, I think it depends on the context in which you're using a product. So if I'm going to like a bus station, like I don't, I don't want this r delightful experience of I like, w I wave my hand in a certain way and then like the bus terminal does something and I get my ticket. Like I want it to be very straightforward and I don't, I don't want that delightful extra experience. But if I think about a product that I'm going to buy at a store and take home and use and I'm more invested in that product and I will learn about that product so I can get to that experience. So a good example is my roommate right now has um, a scale in the kitchen and it's this scale that she weighs ingredients when she cooks and it has two buttons, units and um, on and off. And I, I was like trying to use it one day and I was like, how do you like zero it or like, you know, tar, tear it, whatever you call that. And I couldn't figure out how to do it. And I was kind of frustrated. And so I finally had to ask her. And how you zero the scale is you just like swipe your hand across the scale. And it's just motion censored. 
And that wasn't intuitive to me, but that doesn't mean I think it's a bad design. Like after I learned how to do that, I'm like, that's awesome. That's so cool because yeah. this, this motion and this swipe to me is just, it, it means like you're erasing or removing or wiping something away. And it, it just, and it, it feels like, um, zeroing the scale. Right. But it, so it's not a bad design, but it wasn't intuitive to me, but it, so it's a, like, I am up to investing time into a product to get delightful experiences, but it depends on the context of what the product is and how you're using it. And intuitive is, is so relative to your previous experience. A lot of products are intuitive to our generation and are completely unintuitive to our parents. Like, that's know, a good point. Yeah. Or, or if you're Windows 8 or Windows 10, it's not even intuitive to this generation. So, you <laughs> yeah. know, they're designing for the babies of today. Uh, I don't know who they're designing for. <laughs> it's not me. That's all I know. <laughs> so right now you're in grad school interaction experience. You have a lot of great design experience. What is... Uh, your dream job or what would be the most exciting project or cause or challenge for you to work on right now? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess uh, in thinking about industry, I think it. I want to break into either. I think there are kind of two industries. One is either healthcare and the other is um, education. I just think that I could, those two causes, I feel like, are just like crying for help and I think there's so much opportunity there and I think there's so much red tape in both of those industries but there's so much opportunity and I think it's worth the fight so I think either of those two but I also think there's a lot of like I'm torn because like it's like okay this more like service industry of those two industries but I also think like I want to help like carve out emerging technology and how it's being used in its application so stuff more like the VR, the AR experiences and like helping carve out what that could be. And hey, maybe that experience like has to do, could like somehow cross over with like, how could we integrate some sort of like AR experience that actually helps doctors diagnose, I don't know, diseases or some sort of AR experience that actually helps kids learn in a different way. So I I don't know, maybe there's a connection there. I don't know. But those are things that I'm interested in. I don't know. you, you listed basically the two biggest challenges uh, of society right now in a large way. I mean, healthcare and education, the costs are ever increasing. The service, the experience is not necessarily also ever increasing. <laughs> so I think everyone recognizes a, a big opportunity, but it's also uh, a huge challenge where design could definitely have an impact Mm -hmm. yeah so now i gave you some preparation a little bit only a little bit but you see now that you say that they have to be good answers they don't have to be good answers but (laughs) really you've come a long way you've done a lot of things you have an exciting story you have great set of design skills uh you made it from new york to san francisco via chicago and if you had a piece of advice to give others who maybe somewhere along that trail what would you say um i guess i would say patience uh 
and that I think that like you know in our our generation I think people more and more are jumping from job to job like a year here like a year and a half there two years here and I think there's a lot to be said from like standing still for a little bit and kind of learning from the experience that you're in and kind of growing in a role and it's maybe a little bit of an ironic that I'm saying this because I've done a lot of jumping around in the past few years but yeah I think there's a lot of value in staying in one place for a little while and I can't help but ask the follow-up when do you know it's time to move on uh it's I think it's always time and I think you never know so it's 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 always time now if you could title your autobiography yes it's hard what would it be short and sweet I'm not I'm not one for like that's good <laughs> that's great <laughs> <laughs> oh wait I, that actually wasn't what I was going to say, name it. I was just going to say that the title See, would be short and sweet. Again, our thesis is proven that this is, when people are groping for the title, what they say is, is the best title. You yeah. know, but now, now, no, now I great. want that to be my title. That's totally your title. Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that. Wow, and, and my friend Steve is it's here. It's hysterical because this has happened so many times where we ask people and in their, whatever words that come out when they think they don't have a title, end up being phenomenal. That's awesome. I'll go with that then. Perfect. So just one one question left to wrap this all up. Thank you again so much for taking the time. And is now a good time? Yes. Well, that's our show for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, this was Lauren Argo, talented designer out here in San Francisco. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, as well as online at www.isnowagoodtime.com. Thank you. You have that. Ah, looked open. That was fun. So that's that was the so interesting. Was, how was it? That was like really good. <laughs>